0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the fourth and final episode of the URC Fan View series, a fan-led series recapping the season gone by for each of the four Irish provinces. We conclude the series by looking at Munster, who ended a 12-year trophy drought on Saturday by silencing the Stormers in Cape Town. Forget false dawns, end of a certain era or any of the rest of the talk, Today will be three joyous Munster fans trying to piece together this momentous rollercoaster but unforgettable 2022-23 season. Firstly, I'm joined by Mr. Munster Rugby, the man known as Three Red Kings. Welcome on, Tom Savage.
0: Oh, nice to be here.
1: Good to have you. And my second guest is a freelance journalist, but Munster to the core. Welcome to the pod, Ifo Callan. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: No bother, no bother. And I should stress as well, you all admitted to, or said you do this before the playoffs. So, you know, I didn't I didn't have a queue of people at that stage, but but listen, we'll start with the weekend gone by and I suppose the raw emotion that last Saturday brought up. Eva, do you want to talk about that first of all? Just the the experience and that kind of euphoria.
2: I suppose for me it was the longest wait to half i I've ever gone through in my life like the day could not have honestly gone any slower and I was working till two o'clock beforehand so I was trying to fill I ended up in like a garden center with my mom and all that just trying to fill the little gaps between um but honestly afterwards I think do you know for me I was so nervous going into it. it's where I was playing do you know to be honest like um but like do you know we've been there before and we've gotten to finals before, and we've always, like, I don't want to say we've let ourselves down, but I just didn't want to get my hopes up too high, in a way. um, You know, especially after the last couple of games, especially the Leinster game, you know, everything being such close margins, I didn't want to go in saying, like, I had every I had every faith in the team that they could do well and whatever, but, and I knew we'd show up on the day, but I didn't want to kind of put all my eggs in the basket too early on and get too excited to then come full-time and be like, you know, Got it, like so but yeah. when that final whistle went I I did cry not gonna lie I was one of the people that you know the tear, tears fell and I think you know with it being in Cape Town as well I think you know you, we didn't have that connection we possibly had in like previous years you know with the Heineken Cups and stuff being so close to home I think with it being so far away and people knowing it could be unattainable for them to go I think a lot of it, everyone was quite quiet in Munster I feel like about it my part anyway you know and um I think it was very much nerves of we could do this but I think a lot of us didn't want to think too much on if we would do you know especially yeah. with whereas it might be you know the old people's futures do you know we like I think everyone was very you know like normally like I play rugby I play with dolphin and none of my teammates wanted to go out for it we were all happy to just kind of do our own thing nothing to the girls or anything like that but um a lot of us were very much like you know, we don't know how this will go and we don't want to be seen crying in ruins and Cork or whatever, right? you know. So kind of coming away after, it was very much pinched me, like I can't believe we actually did that. And it was only, I think, the homecoming and even watching the video from on Axis Monster last night that it kind of started to sink in, you know, that I actually started to be like, oh my God, this is actually like real, you know. So, but like, I just, I still can't believe it to be quite honest. It still does feel real to me, you know.
1: Yeah, and both Graham Roundtree and Peter he said it'll take a while for it to sink in, but we didn't I was the same boat. I didn't really fully believe whether they do it. I knew they could, but I didn't fully believe whether they could or whether they would or not. And it was kind of recording the preview with Jeff, who was like, no, they, they'll do they'll do this like I full faith. No. And you were in the same boat, Tom. So what was it like that kind of the the week as a whole, because you were covering it in depth coming into it, but as well as that, just that eighty minutes or whatever it was, two hours the whole Saturday. Like sum it up from your perspective.
0: Yeah, it was it was a weird one because, you know, uh, like you mentioned their weirdness in, you know, going in to watch it in there like in 2006 it's where I was for the Heineken Cup final. And like you look at the the memories I think people have, you know, across the the years with all the gaps that went. I, mean, I I don't think anybody expected the gap to be as big as, you know, from twenty eleven until now. But um it's kind of weird how everybody kind of ends up doing the same things, you know, when they're following this club, which I think is 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 a cool thing, really. As for this game, like I knew that Monster could beat them. I knew that Monster were a bad matchup for the Stormers if things like the breakdown, uh, set piece, managed to hold. Um, just from a stylistic perspective, I thought that Monster matched up really, really well from the Monster side against against Stormers. Um, so then it came down to can they execute on the day and and some of that comes down to that you know kind of vague kind of nebulous you know mentality kind of stuff which people can talk about ahead of games but unless you're inside the camp you don't really know what the the vibes are and I was talking to a few guys before the game just kind of asking like well what what are the vibes like and they were just like we're going to do this and it's like you know I think that sometimes it's that gets diluted in the aftermath of whether you win or whether you lose, you know, were you diluted or were you just hyper confident? I suppose that's what that comes down to. Um, but I think for, as for the game itself on Saturday, do you know, like I've been doing this a long time now. So after a while, you just kind of learn to, you just don't bother getting nervous until the day, until the game starts or whatever else, or when you're getting to an, an important part of the game. Cause I've, I've covered finals doing, TRK for geez we've had three i think it is since i've been doing this but big semi finals big games and in in this one it, all that went out the window nervous um from the time i woke up until all day long and i was in Kerry i was down like i was in like a mobile home down in Kerry <laughs> so son was splitting a little baby to be looking after um she was not really as focused in the game as i was just You know, we've got got to work on that. Um, But (laughs) just walking around and stuff, I just found myself continually thinking about it, mainly because I knew we could win. So that was the big thing for me was that every season that I've been doing this has ended with a loss and end of the road shows over. And all that comes with that, you know, because I think when you're doing this stuff, you can find yourself. Not meaning to, and it's something that I'm aware of that I try not to do, which is oh, next year, oh, we'll do it next year, we'll do it next year. And sometimes, with the nature of the beast, you kind of end up in that space, which is you can look delusional. I think what's best about this year is is that nobody expected this. I (laughs) certainly didn't, maybe you did. Um, at the start of the season, I was just like, okay, look this is going to be a very difficult season. Uh, you've got guys, you know, a lot of young players who are coming in. I think that's been shown throughout the year, how much they back youth consistently, new style of play with that can be unpredictable, bringing in, you know, bringing in a change like that after, you know, near, nearly five years, six years actually of, of, of a different way of playing um, to then see it turn around like it did. That's, you know, it's massive. And I, I remember saying on a podcast, I think it was provincial state of mind or whatever. I'm not sure which one it was now, but um, that if you once you get into the playoffs, then you you, wish, you wouldn't write them off. Anything can happen in the playoffs. But for Monster yep. to do it the way that they did it was just remarkable. And um, do you know the like yourselves there now when that final whistle went, I couldn't really shout because my 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 daughter had just woken up. She I, we put her to bed. She just woke up mm-hmm. before John Hodnett scored a try. So I was actually there trying to put her back to sleep as that happened. So I was sort of like screaming like isn't just kind of like yeah but like but not obviously making any noise and then when um you know the final whistle went my my partner had been out getting takeaway so she was gone for 20 minutes when she came back i was a blubbering mess inside in the front room like absolutely in pieces after it because you know you 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 wait so long and and, you know it's it it means almost too much sometimes you think when you're doing this stuff it means too much um but that was the big takeaway for me was just the emotion of it that it felt for me like two thousand and six and two thousand and eight, as it felt like it felt like that for me. I think around that time I'm old enough now to be <laughs> fairly crabbit now when I was around at, at those days too. You could kind of write off, you know, the league. Um yeah. but the URC, I think, with the addition of the South African teams, it's kind of beyond that. For me, it felt just like two thousand and six. Um, now whether that's because I'm getting old and soft, who knows? But it was very, very special. And um, it felt like something memorable. Like I was at the uh, homecoming and uh, just a very cathartic experience. It was very, very good. Like just again, something I think that when we come down to how it felt, just like the old days.
1: No, and it's, it was it was definitely special and it was different. I used the word different a lot in the preview with Jeff last week where it just... I think it's the URC. I think there's just, it's gone to another level. And because of that, expectations have changed. And like, there's a rivalry there now. Like, the Stormers come to Thompson Park next year, having never beaten Munster. They've never lost to Leinster, but they've never beaten Munster. Like, if you want to look at it that yeah. you way. Know, and that's, that's not a dig before, because <laughs> no one thinks it is. Like, but
0: They're going to think it is anyway. Don't bother. Gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: Maybe not the people who listen to this, but, but, anyways, um, it, was, it was special for a lot of reasons. But the fact that it was in Cape Town, changes that as well because anyone who went there was forking out huge amounts of money and for the love of the for the love of the team as much as Anthony. but some people who did go went on the back of some some heartwarming generosity in your own group Tom in your own um discord do you want to talk about the cash for go scheme that sent a number of monster fans down to South africa
0: yeah um that was again i didn't really have anything to do with that that just kind of started happening i was off oh, i think i was writing a preview or something at that point um for the Toulouse Leinster or the Leinster La Rochelle game. This happened yeah. two weeks ago, three weeks ago I think. After um Monster won the semi-final. um we had realized that there were some people that were in the Discord in this in the TRK Secret Club who were at the Glasgow game and then decided because they won there that they were going to go to the semi final as well. And um, some people in the Discord decided that these people were our lucky charms that they were there for Glasgow. We won. They were there for Leinster. We won. So, and they were like, well, what a shame we can't go to Cape Town, you know, financial wise, money wise, whatever. Because again, we're talking about a very expensive trip here. So um I think somebody joked, we should do a fundraiser, crowdfund them to get them there. And um yeah, three hours later, we had the price of tickets, hotels raised for the two of them for keelan and patricia um and they went down with uh, another guy who was with them at uh, the aviva and uh in Scotston as well and um yeah they, they went down bought the tickets that day and uh they were in cape town for four or five days i think it was and had what a lot of time they had because after every game they would get a selfie with craig casey um after the win in Glasgow, they did one with, with Craig Casey and they had the, you know, the, the wool hats on and a couple of other yeah. stuff. They did the same in the Aviva and uh, they finally got their selfie in this one as well uh, after the game, the win in Cape town. So yeah, very, very special. I think it just kind of reflects the, um, the mania that's in the TRK secret club, but also the fact that like, I don't think that happens for any other club except Munster, mm-hmm. um, which again, sounds a little bit triumphalistic, and I intend it to, it should sound that way. <laughs> but we'll I think, let's talk it, this week it, I, think particular. I think, I think it's something that, um, that's kind of unique enough to monster there to, to fundraise people to send down. Cause again, there was people donated 20, 50 euro, a hundred euro to get them, you know, and like, we got the flights paid for. What about hotels? Then after that, what about some money for a few Bob, for a few pints and a few meals or whatever else. And, um, yeah, it was a great, it was really heartwarming actually that that whole that whole week when that happened. And uh, then for them to go and witness a massive win like that as well, just kind of crystallize everything, be a very, very special, very, very special thing. Oh, it
1: is, and it's for anyone. Like there was I know Quinny was tweeting about his I think his mother was down there and there was, you know, loads of people. Like you've seen Sean Payne was in with Rugby Travel Ireland, CJ hugging the lads like it's not just about the squad and the players or the squad of players and fans it's about the people who like just like from manage from management in the branch to you know again coaches players fans like it's it's it was a win for everyone in some ways in that regard like because it's been so long and obviously Peter romani and Jack O'Donnell who spoke about those who have passed away in the last few years, both Axel and Tom Tierney and among others, and spoke very well. And like that's it kind of it makes you realise sport isn't everything. But when you have a purpose, you know, it it changes things. And like this team has been through a lot. Like I think last year, the way they lost to Toulouse and the Aviva, you know, we were all there. I was walking, we got to lose to the point. I did not say a word until we got to the point walking back. I was just shocked and heartbroken it was one of those days and then they start two wins in their first seven games they lost to the the welsh regions and i suppose were you worried about what would happen this season after that opening block will come to yourself first because it was like 14th place after seven games is it's not a great start
2: I think so, yeah. Like I obviously I was up in Musgrave Park for the two preseason games, so the Gloucester game and the London Irish game. Now I wasn't working; I was just literally there with um one of my pals. This is before my journalistic career kind of started to take off. Um, so I think I was worried, but I think we were also desperately unlucky. Like nothing, timing wasn't going our way. Luck wasn't on our side. We had injuries. We had, you know people off uh, automation series so I think you know there just wasn't that like cohesion in the group it was all very in and out and up and down and who's kind of going where and I suppose like a lot of the pressure then kind of fell onto the younger people like you know I say youngsters as if they're like miles younger than me they're literally the same age (laughs) thing but like that younger crop were kind of nearly thrown in at the deep end a little bit you know and you know like I think Confidence-wise, that probably didn't help them in a way. Um, especially with then you'd have like Conor Murray back, but like Conor has gone again, or like you know there wasn't kind of a gel. And I genuinely think, not to big up Parky Queeve with it being down the road for me and all that jazz. Um, but I think Parky Queeve was a massive turning point for them. I think it solidified the group. It gave them. Going into that game, everyone was like, oh, it's just South Africa, eh? it's like, it's just, you know, if we're doing this just to get the GA back in our favour or whatnot again, you know, it's kind of nearly, a lot of people just saw it as like a kind of promo thing. I personally did it, I thought it was the best thing ever because Parky Cueve is quite literally a 10 minute walk for me, to so to have, to grow up going to GA games down in Parkie Cueve or whatever, have rugby play down there, I I loved it, I thought it was amazing, but I think for that crew, I think it was an opportunity to show people kind of what they were made of in a way. And I think the fact then that they won, that they beat a South African side, knowing they have to go down to South Africa and play their top teams. You know, I think that was a massive confidence boost for them. And I think that stood for them. And
1: I suppose, but because we will talk about Porky Grieve in a bit more depth in a a few minutes, but that, that opening block as a whole, Tom, like, were you, were you still convinced that they'd turn it around quickly? Because I know Dennis Leamy was one to say, give us, you know, judges on December or November or judges a while later. And obviously, like a lot of people said it as well, including myself and probably yourself, like Mike Prendergast did have basically a month with this squad with very few backs gone into Ireland camp and they came out, they were a different team after in round eight. Like, so those first few games, were you worried or were you more confident that they'd, they would right the wrongs?
0: Well, I mean, you, you you would you would look at the pedigree of the coaches there, and you go, "Well, look, they, they will turn it around." But I mean, there's always an element of of it being really unpredictable because when you're making the radical changes to the on the training side and on this, you know, the actual framework side that that monster were doing, that can be unpredictable. It doesn't always have to end with things getting better. It can always get worse. Like that's the thing. Um, at the October break, monster were 14th in the URC with some really poor performances along the way, but we can look back now and say, well, look, it all, it all worked, but uh, you know, people would have had the coaches believed in what they were doing and that it would start showing results. But that was far from a guarantee. You know, you had to uh, training like that can lead to injuries. It can lead to like when guys aren't used to that pace. Um, But I suppose you have to look at the guys who were involved, look at their experience but also look at the, the fundamentals of what Munster were doing. You could see that Munster were trying to pass the ball a lot more, a, a lot more consistently than what we had been doing, you know, under, under Van Ron and Larkham. Like, people have this idea that we never passed the ball at all under, the, under those fellas. but that's not true. Like, we, we, we did, but we just didn't do it consistently. Like, I think it was very weather dependent and opponent dependent. Like, Munster would try to play expansively every now and then under Van Ron and Larkham, like, to the point where, you know, towards the end of the season last year we were trying to throw the ball around quite a fair bit but I think the basic principle of what Roundtree, Prendergast, Leamy and were doing with George Murray as well heavily involved is that you train how you play and then you play the same way every week so what Munster have been doing all season long has been consistent game to game to game now performances levels have gone up and down obviously but the principles that Munster are trying to play are the exact same like Munster in, the, in this season have never once decided, you know what, we're just going to kick the leather off the ball today. They've tried to play the same way every single week. And with that comes consistency, with that comes cohesion, where you start to build a way of playing, where if you're going to hang on to the ball an awful lot, like Munster do, um, you need to understand who you're playing with. You need to build those relationships. And that, that was all starting from scratch. And I think that, as you said there, the Parky Queeve game was that, was that turning point. Because, I was in the, the press box for that one and in for, my first time ever there in Parky and the energy that you could feel from the crowd in that game being reflected back from the players was again, like the old days. And after that game, the energy in the crowd walking out of the stadium, back into the city was unbelievable. Like I was walking there kind of stuck. I, I wasn't going to hang around for the media and I never, I never do for post-match interviews or so what it's pointless. And on the walk back in, it was packed, you know, coming down in. And um, just the energy from people, just there was that singing. There was the buzz, you know, like kids were there walking, like as in, you know, talking about the game and everything else and how loud the crowd was. That all builds something, not just with the players, but with the crowd as well to go. Well, look, these guys can win. These guys can produce. And um, yeah, from there, it just kind of kept on little bits kept on clicking and clicking and clicking like that. South Africa A game was probably a really good example of what Munster could do when things did actually click. And then like the season then kind of fluctuated a little bit more again until they came to that playoff run at the end, which was again, just outstanding, outstanding the way that they, um, they managed to, to, to finish it off while sticking to the same principles that they had in the very first game against Cardiff when things were looked rubbish. And then the second game against the dragons, when things were bad as well, they've been, playing the same way, same principles each time.
1: And just like, obviously we, we've spoken about there how important that win in, in Parky Cueve was for Munster in terms of their season. But as well as that, there could be big games in Parky Queef to come. So do you think having that fixture being such a resounding success was important for the prospect of a URC final, which Mark and I spoke about or a, I suppose, the Highland Cup semi-final and just building the relationship with the, the Cork County Board to, to get games there.
0: Start yourself, top. I think it's inevitable. Um, it was such a success. Um, the GA were delighted. They got a fine payout on a time when they had no games being played. Um, for months, there was a massive success as well. Like, like that, that fixture sold out in, what was it? A week? No, week, like yeah, a week or a week and a half, something Part, like that. 41,000. Yeah. Um, like you could see the Leinster game being played there at Christmas every alternating year. You could see t- another touring game there in every November going back there. Um you could see a, a a one of the pool games in the European Cup going there as well. Um it's all there. Like, you know, you look at the 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 success of the event everything like I mean okay I, there was a few hiccups alright with some of the you know some of the terraces and you know guys not being able to get in and whatever else but you'll, you'll work those out I think it's inevitable that that monster will be back in Park at Greve sooner rather than later I would say
1: and would that be as a as a Cork woman yourself is that something you think would excite a lot of Cork rugby fans to get more high profile games because commentary that night literally said it was probably the biggest game in Munster considering there was 40,000 people at a game
2: in Cork oh, 100% and I think like for Munster fans in Cork obviously Musco Park isn't being used as much which comes to a bit of disappointment for a lot of us you know and stuff but look them, they're just that's just the way it is you know but I think from like even just looking at just the stadium in general I think it is the perfect spot to have it it's so near pubs it's so near you've got the Marina Market it's one of it's brought like that weekend or that it was like a Thursday night or something wasn't it and it oh, just was... brought so many people into Black Rock, you know, in the piss and rain. And just for, like, obviously for myself, I live in Black Rock. I have grown up. I walk my dog around Parky Cueve every single day. I watch them basically build the pitches through little little holes in Parky Cueve where I could see in from the marina and stuff. So, like, for me, it was massive because I never thought I'd see anything other than GAB played on that pitch. You know, like, there's, like... I grew up in a strong GA family, and um, my, you know, all my mom's side are all GA players. I get throw beef from my dad, thankfully, <laughs> um, but like, you know, just even going to the game, watching them win it, and it just being absolutely packed. You know, you don't get that same vibe in Walter Park, I think. You know, and like, as like Tom said, coming out afterwards, you know, we headed up to. So my dad would have played for Corkan. So we headed up for um, points and Con then afterwards and you know, my parents met all like their old buddies and it was all like, it was like old times, you know? So I think it's massive for Cork. It's massive for, you know, any prospects getting back in kind of the favour with the GA that it did go so successfully that they'll want to hopefully do more with us in the future. You know, especially after, I suppose, the disappointment of us not getting the World Cup bid and GA probably felt a little her done bye by that you know and like like for a parking Weave, it was a massive opportunity to bring in a few bob especially with the fact that there's no concerts or anything happening in in there this year you know and like they could complain like oh they'll tear up the pitch or whatever the pitch was perfect afterwards you know so like I think it would be it would be a shame for the GA to not want to go down that route again after how successful it was so even for like their food venues and everything inside, like the bars were packed, everything. But everything ran smoothly. There was no hassle from what I heard, like saw from my end, and stuff. So fingers crossed they'll actually want to do it again because I think it'll be a massive missed opportunity if they don't.
1: Yeah, and hopefully it's as Tom said, it's sooner rather than later. Like, and it is inevitable because, like, so after that game, once to one, seven of their next ten, um, two of those losses were by one score to Toulouse in Europe. And I was going to just talk about Europe anyway, but as well as the Porky Quiv thing, we could it could be a European game that we see there before Anthony Ellis, in particular a semi-final or quarter final. But Munster, I suppose there was the possibility of Challenge Cup rugby. They admitted as much themselves, and now they'd be top the Champions Cup next year, and the teams they could be facing there: Toulon, Bayonne, Exeter, Bath or Bristol, depending on how the London Irish situation goes. So we'll go to yourself first here tom do you think do or firstly do you want to just touch upon monsters the european campaign as a whole but also look ahead to next year because there's a nice draw there there's a chance to to build on something
0: well, we're 100 percent getting bath without question 100%. Is, bath, is
1: Bath the new cast is that what you're saying yeah no it's it's
0: it's the narrative it's a narrative choice it's 100 percent going to happen and probably too long that's what I'm going for at the moment anyway. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think the European campaign overall, the was actually pretty good, you know. I, I think that where Munster were at the time, um, not at the level to 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 trouble Toulouse, like to a point where we where we would beat them, but we gave them a right rattle in um, over in, in, in Toulouse. And I think the weather in, in Tolman Park that day uh, actually helped Toulouse more than it did um, more than it did Munster. Um, but I think it was a pretty decent campaign overall. You know, I think Northampton. I think we've seen this year are a better team than they were given credit for. Um, I, I think Toulouse, obviously as well. Look, they, they had a disappointing loss against Leinster. I think Leinster are a horrific matchup for Toulouse for whatever reason. You know, because um, I, I suppose Leinster are very good. But you know, you look at Toulouse for whatever reason, they just never works for them against Leinster. Um, but they are flying really well in the top fourteen, and they'll be there. They're about to win that as well. So. I think that Munster did really well, relatively speaking. Um, as you said, they only lost by a score to, I think, a really good to lose team. Um, but I think you look overall at the at, uh, next season, it's set up there for Munster to, you know, top the, the, the pool one way or the other um, and get that home quarterfinal, home semifinal final. Um, or round, home around the sixteen game if they're going to be doing that next year. I don't, I, I'm not actually sure what the format is.
1: I think it's penciled in, all right, that they'll do it on oh. one leg.
0: Well, if they get, you know, that run of home games to the semi final, I mean, who knows? Do you know, like as in to have two games, maybe in parquet Quee or whatever else, that'd be really good. Um, one certainly if you get to a a home semi final. Um, you know, I I think overall, I think they'll they'll be looking at that European game as being something of a springboard barred how it ended, you know, you look at that round of 16 loss against the Sharks was fairly dire. But when you look at how the season turned around in the two weeks after that game, um, you know, it was something of, you know, you, you lose that game, but I think what Munster got off the back of it was actually far more useful. Obviously you want to win every game, but I just think that the, maybe the, that loss, you know, kind of really cauterized what they were looking to do, you know? So, yeah, look, I think overall a decent campaign. Nowhere near good enough, you know, to not, to not make a quarterfinal, semifinal. That's what this team aspires to. But um, I, I think looking at it next year, it's all set up depending on, you know, again, I think if it's a on getting in there and maybe Bath or whatever, Munster should be looking to put away both those teams, you know, and, and finish top of that pool and go. I know obviously it depends on injuries and whatever else, but like um, to really double down on the momentum from this, uh, from this league win and, and go from there.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. And like they're not listen too long were good in the Challenge Cup final, which a lot of people would have seen as was in Dublin, but they weren't exceptional, you know, Bayon, tough at home, but they're in and around to kind of win half the games, lose half the games team in France, which you see a lot. Extra going through whole cell change bath for the narrative, as you said, and in Bristol, a lot of change went on there. So I suppose, next season, Aoife, would you have the same optimism that there's a, a home quarter, final home, semi-final there for the taking?
2: Oh, 100%. I think, like, as Graham Roundtree tree said, kind of at the weekend, like, this is just the start. I think, you know, we've had a couple of years where, you know, players have been coming and going, we've had injuries, we've had, you know, kind of ups, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, you know, like but I feel like this year things are starting to click and things are starting to work. And I know I've probably said this already, like, it just feels like this group is just like, it's just working, you know, like, you know, there's no hassle with management. There's no, you know, I know everyone was technically asking for a round trade head at the very beginning, but like, I think he needed a couple of weeks, like that first block, I think he needed to find his mojo. I think the whole coaching staff probably did, you know, settle themselves. And I think it's actually working for us to say, now, I don't want to, you know, get my hopes up and all that jazz again. Um, but I, do have I'm going into next season I'd say a lot more confident and I think especially with the draw I think going in with the confidence of it's there for the taking rather than you know having to look at these big South African teams being like oh you know we'll have to see you know I think this leaves us with major optimism I think for sure
1: and that's that's all you can ask well it's not all you can ask for. we could ask for a double or another star or whatever but we won't (laughs) talk about that Um, like and then we all know how Munster's season went from there on. Um, they went and they, they lost to Glasgow in pretty unconvincing fashion. They lost to the Sharks. I think there was just a bit of run out of juice there in that one. Um, but the squad reset. They didn't lose any of their of five games, all of which were away from home. And, like, we had the outstanding moment. We had Jack Crowley's drop goal. We had, you know, John Hadnett's strike and Alex's turnover in the, in the final. Like... What do you think we learned from the path to the final? And I mean from the whole way back. So, from that Glasgow game on, as a, as a final block of games, what do you think we learned from them, Aoife?
2: Um, I think definitely one thing I want to note for everything I think winning the Grand Slam for Peter completely revitalized him. Like, I, yeah. so we have a bit of connection to Peter and Peter's family being from Blackrock. My dad would have played with his dad. So, do you know, we're number one Peter O'Mahony fans in this house. Um, but there was a couple of times in that first third of the season where, like, my dad would have been like, you know, Pete's heart isn't in it anymore and all that. And, you know, that would, being local, actually, that would break your heart a little bit. So to know, like, him see him do so well in for Ireland and then to have him come back, you know, so revitalised and have that kind of mojo in him again was unreal to see. And then I think another thing as well was, putting jack back in that 10 role i think like okay he was okay at 12 but like i think the fact they kept switching him in and out i think he got kind of not i don't want to say confused but i think you know he needed to find his position and i think like he was good in 12 but i think he was a lot more comfortable in 10 and i think when they did swap him out mid-match i feel like he was kind of like oh shit like where do i go what do i do kind of thing and even like i remember i was sat up when the game was most great park i was sat up behind his family and he had a few kick calls go against him. And, like, even his family were kind of, like, Beck's sake, Jack, you know, why would you do that? Not to hang him out to dry or anything, like. Yeah. But I think, like, you know, his, him being back in 10, I think he found confidence in himself again. And you could see it with, like, the drop goal against Venster, that Crossfield kicked kick to Calvin Nash, you know. He kind of, in the last couple of games, he kind of grew a pair. And I don't know, was this, like, him being, like, right, this is my last kind of shot to put myself ahead of Rossburn in the Ireland pecking, that kind of was like, right, you know, it's all or nothing in these things. But that's massive for him, both going into a World Cup and going into next season. It means that his confidence will continue to kind of go up and up. Um, another thing was obviously having RG back, like a man of that size, you know, like having him come back into the frame was just phenomenal I did cringe every time I saw him take a turn in that pitch at the weekend not gonna lie I was like oh my god his knees <laughs> um, yeah. but to have a man of a his stature like him being able to just go up and literally catch the ball with one hand in the air like just you know having him back and I think having his experience you know, of being in a World Cup be like the experience you know in that position you know I think that 100% you know gave us that extra push and I think even once, like, you know, we took the sting of being out of Europe. I think everyone always just turned to that URC title and I think there was massive fight there and they thought, like, you know, this this is our chance and if we fall, then, like, you know, but like, we've we've done all we can kind of do. So it was like, if they lost, you know, where would Monster be right now, you know? So I think we're... I think I think the Leinster game was huge as well because, like, everyone... Like, not going everyone had Leinster tip to win that, you know, like, I, like... Yeah as much as I hate to admit it, you know, we were all expecting, even though they seemingly feared their B team a little bit, my dad was kind of like a little, you know, but like, I think we all expect that to go, no, like not badly, I think we all knew it was going to be extremely, extremely tight, but I think once that, we that, you know, drop goal went over, I think like, we were like, we have to win this, we, we can't let Stormers beat us because then it would all have been for nothing, mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah, that's true. And Tom, do you want to jump in? Like, what was your Munsters path from Six Nations onward to the final? Like, what what do you think we learned about them as a squad first of all, but then also, like, what did they develop? Like, tactically, was it just improving over time? Do you think there was an attitude shift as well, or like they had, they had two tough losses? Like,
0: yeah, no, I think we saw that the, the way Munsters are playing at the moment is they need to be playing every week week to week to week what we saw in the Scarlet's game and and I suppose in the Glasgow game as well was there was a lot of time off between the, you know like the, the last game before the Scarlet's game then there was a week off and then back to the Glasgow game that led to I think a lot of disruption because I, I think I said earlier there what Munster have been doing is so cohesion dependent if you're going to be passing the ball and, and running so many rucks as Munster do most rucks of any team in uh, in the URC this season actually another stat Munster have never lost this season when the ball and play time is over 38 minutes. So like that's a team who there's lots of the fitness has to be right, but you've got to be able to play with the sort of, you know, I know continuities and I'll, you know, cliche at this stage, but they do pass the ball an awful lot. So when they were off for those, you know, the few weeks around the Six Nations test window, things seem to degrade a small bit. and, you know, I, I think what they learned is that they need to be on field. And I think you look at the, from the run from the, you know, the first Stormers game to the final, there was a very settled team. They went with who they wanted at 10 and they went and and they ran the whole, like the back line was very settled. The pack ended up being very settled as well. So guys knew exactly what they needed to do. So Munster went into playoff mode very, very early. And with that, you know, game, you know, game, game, game that all helped them build, um, the 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 way of playing that we saw towards the you know coming up to the final and everything, where they stuck to their principles all the way through. But I think that's the biggest thing is that, and maybe that won't be the case next year because they'll have you know the entirety of this season and and preseason and long, a much longer preseason this year under their belts, which will help. You know, for the, the the wider group to have, you know, more cohesion, more uh, knowledge of the system, I suppose, of what Munster are trying to do, which is, again, quite a complex system too. It's, you know, when you're playing a lot of on-ball rugby, high possession rugby, that's a complex way to play. So that's a, a, a big deal for for, for Munster. And I think it shows in how they went to that final, just how, I suppose, comfortable on, on, on the ball they were. That was the big thing for me, the development of their confidence in both themselves and the way that they were playing. So uh, that was a a huge a huge positive for me as as the end of the season. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And like we probably don't get a chance to say this line enough, but Munster won the URC nineteen fourteen win over the Stormers in Cape Town. Like again, we don't remind people, but it's just it's just nice to keep saying it. But I just jumped to you first on this one, Tom. Like you spoke very well about the difference between Munster, the on ball team, versus Stormers, as more of a counter attack and threat team. So how did Munster first approach that game, but how does that kind of differ from previous finals where there was heartbreak and just a sense of just they never can hold the gate at all?
0: Well, the, the style has a lot to do with it. I think under under Johan, um, again, I, I think, and this isn't a criticism, I think that we reflected a lot in in Van Cron about what he, what he is, which is a very good reader of the game. He understands very, very deeply how Munster win and how Munster lose. And I think Munster's approach will often be very reflective of the opposition. Now, most of the time, Munster, in the last couple of years, the league campaign ended against either teams who contested the final or Leinster in in, in the league, who would generally win the league most most years. Um, Munster's way of playing needed the referees to award us a lot of penalties because we were, you know, kicking the ball, looking to try and pressure the opposition in their half of the field, looking for breakdown turnovers. But if you didn't get them, like Our attacking work, I think, wasn't good enough to make teams worry about not kicking the ball to us. But when you look at the the way we've been playing this year, when teams have been kicking the ball to us, which is, I think maybe they'll change that up next year. But um, what Munster were doing was hanging on to the ball for 10, 11, 12 phases and just going into that deep multi-phase play. And teams were struggling to live with it. When you look at Munster against Leinster in years gone by, Leinster were really confident of kicking the ball to Munster and then just soaking up whatever we would throw there, you know, throw at them. I think one game in Thoman Park where we had the ball for, geez, it could have been nearly two or three years out there, and I don't know, what would we have scored? But that'll give you an idea as to how we were playing, which was, I think, attack-wise, we weren't troubling teams. That's changed this year. And I think that's the biggest thing in this final, where when the Stormers, most of their starter plays, start with them kicking long down the field. When they did that, we hurt them relentlessly, whether, you know, you don't have to score a try from every possession, but we were stretching them. We were were moving them off center. We were uh, making it difficult for their forwards to live with as they kind of went from touchline to touchline, well, not even touchline to touchline, 15 meter line to 15 meter line. And um, that way of playing was, like I said, a really bad matchup for the Stormers because their base state is to kick the ball. So they kick long, they wait for you to kick it back. And then they, they hurt you on transition then. So they're kicking it to get it back into position that they wanted. What Munster did was we did not give them the ball back in any position that they wanted it. So they were constantly on the back foot whenever they kicked the ball. So it just felt to them like that they were just kicking the ball away because that's how Munster made it look. So that's the big change for me going to a final is that the way we're playing now allows monster to be proactive where we don't need a referee toward big breakdown turnovers. We're not just looking for a mall starter to, to, you know, to to get us going. And, and there's way more weapons now and uh, so much more ceiling to go. Like our first phase strike plays, I think have such a a long way to go to get up to, you know, where level where we have that as a, a core attacking part of the game. All that means that you can play in the front foot, you can play with confidence. You're not stuck, you know, waiting for somebody to to, to give you something or for somebody to get make a big defensive play. You're able to affect the ball, you know, yourself, ball in hand. And that's um, I think the biggest thing for Munster this year, allow them to play with such confidence.
1: Yeah, that's it. And it's like I seen a thing. I don't know who wrote it, to be honest. I'm not going full like Aim and here, but I don't know who wrote. It. But someone did say it, Munster met a poor start, you know, falling seven 0 behind. I wouldn't agree. I think they could have easily went 19-0 up at halftime. Very easily. I thought they started brilliantly. I think I think it was Dennis Leamy on Access Munster who just kind of said, right, it's a mistake. Let's go. Let's go down and score and equalize. And that's exactly what they did. Like, that's yeah. 100%... Munster, Munster battered
0: them. Munster battered the Stormers in this game. The, like, the scoreline the, the score just didn't show it. Like, it flattered the Stormers. Munster were, you know, I think you look at that first half, could have easily scored three or four tries, got over the try line twice um three times actually like monster battered them it's just the scoreline didn't show it i think that's the most exciting thing because you could say the same for that game against leinster where we, we battered them there too and like that's how far this team can go is that next stage now is converting all of those chances and that's where we'll see this team kind of really kicking up onto the next level exactly and then i suppose um
1: yeah perfect um, Aoife, as a as a fan there, like is it possible that we can overstate the magnitude of the victory for Munster, like as a club in province? But even as Tom was saying, Tom's had to hop off there, but like in terms of the confidence that has been brought with all this, like this this is huge, fair enough for fans and everything. But for the province in general, this is massive, surely, isn't it?
2: Oh, it is, and it's it's bringing you know even fans back into it again because, you know, we've had so many years of the heartbreak and the being there, there about you know, always the Bridesmaid, never the Bride um and all that jazz you know, so to have the win like not even, like, you know, beating Leinster was great to show that like we are you know, a force to be reckoned with, whatever, with Leinster being the top team in Ireland, you so know that was probably the really big deal and then to go on and win silverware when I think a lot of us at the start of the season kind of not never thought we would, but didn't really expect it if that makes sense and I think you know for just rugby like so obviously I'm heavily involved in dolphins, so I know the goings-on and like the minis or whatever and it like with all the head contacts and all the whatever it's it's so hard to keep young people in rugby these days and you know like to see you know monster do so well to bring back that kind of fancy might have drifted off the GA or drifted off to the soccer or whatever to bring that excitement back you know and back into Munster and draw the fans back I think it's going to be huge for Munster rugby in general and I think then to see as well like see the younger players doing so well and to see them you know interacting with fans the homecomings and interacting with fans kind of online and whatnot like I think that's gonna draw people in then again you know not even in from fan perspective but from like you know, if I was, you know, when I was seven or eight years old, and like, if social media existed, it sort of did. It was like Bebo, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but like, if social media existed, and I was able to like interact with Ronald or interact with Peter Stringer, like you know, like players. grew now with the younger people. I think that would have gotten me into playing rugby a lot sooner. And I think it's it, the tide is turning. I think down here for sure. I think the new crop is coming up. But I think it's it's something we shouldn't be fearful of and stuff I think they're very much in it to win it basically like you know so I, I, I've I, all faith in it and I think this is a huge stepping stone for Rugby and Monster, for sure.
1: It was and you talk about that connection and I, I like I was slow to get Access Monster, and it's, we said we talked about it so we will we'll do it here but like it's been unbelievable like even for the connection the amount of times an Access Monster video drops and obviously the last couple of weeks is different because like, mm-hmm. the games that they were but it's like, oh, my God, it's here. And it's, you know, people are talking about Peter Amani's speech. Or if you're me, you're talking about how jean Klein hooked a lot. Like, that's... These things aren't relevant. But when you get to see them then as a fan after a big game, it's like, just, I, I love this. So, like, I suppose it's, it's easy to say as younger people, like, this is the kind of content that we consume. But, like, how do you think it helps with the fan base? And even like if you want a pitch for people to go and get it you can like I'm not going to stop you but like is there anything there that any highlights even that just makes you think that like, this is exactly what we want to see
2: well I'm I'm a sucker for a sports documentary anyway like 100% like I'm you know I got into Formula One because of Drive to survive and I like you know didn't didn't rate the golf and the tennis one now I did like the golf that's but, fair. fair tennis one I couldn't get into um, and I'm, I'd i be I'd consider myself quite a I'd be into tennis a little bit. So I, that they kind of let me down. But I think like it was needed. I think when so from obviously with my degree, so I have master's in journalism and I'd be fairly into my old social media and whatever I have been since the old One Direction days way back when, you know. <laughs> um, so I suppose I've always felt like I was very tuned in on what people should be doing, how you should be promoting things and whatnot. and. Um, I before Access Monster, I always kind of felt like Monster were that little bit behind. Like I used to always love what like Connock did and what like Ulster did, you know, for like their different TikToks and whatever. And you know, it's a way of making um making players accessible to I suppose the plebs, as you might say, like jump, do <laughs> Like do you know because like, you know you, you're so used to seeing players on this parapet of like, oh, only you know, Michael Carpenter could talk to them from RT or whatever, you know, so like, yeah, it's making them accessible and like humanizing them a little bit so that you feel like you can relate to them. So that's why I always liked, you know, how Connacht Munster did their social media. So then when Access Munster kicked off, now I always kind of knew it was in the pipeline because I would have been in college with, um, Andrew Fair, who would have okay. been, um, one of Munster's videographers now. He's since uh, left Munster and gone elsewhere. So, Andrew, if you heard this, hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> but um Andrew was in college with me and he did his, he was mad for the whole kind of pay per view kind of thing. That's kind of where his interest kind of peaked. And he was with Munster at the time. So, I had a, I always had a little feeling that yeah. he was kind of looking into all these things. And I think he did his dissertation on it and stuff. I always kind of had a feeling that it was kind of coming. So kind of when it did, I was, I was delighted. Cause like I've been watching, um oh, the last Barbarians thing there, like last year, the year before when Rod was coaching, like they did a whole amazing yeah. on, um I think it was on YouTube. I yeah. Know. I think it was at
1: Rugby Pass, if I'm right. Yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah. 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 So I just thought that was fantastic. Cause you know, once again, you're getting access to these. And I think like you're a lot more relaxed when, you know, it's just them filming you as you go about your day kind of thing do you know i think players tend to you know tense up or whatever when a microphone is put in front of their face do you know i think because it apart is, from paddy
1: patterson on, yeah, on virgin media bar,
2: bar him and bar, bar john at the weekend you know yeah. <laughs> but like i think you know like because media training comes into it when the microphone's put in front of it you go straight into your you know i have to say the right thing to keep monster happy whereas I feel like with access monster it's an opportunity to see things from a whole different side you know and to see like you know like I always find I always find it fascinating just to see like them going about their day-to-day you know I've grew I grew up in the YouTube vlogger era so like you know being able to see that just always fascinates me and I think it's a massive coup for monster to do it themselves like I think that reflects so well on monster that they want to do it themselves they want to set up an old platform for themselves so that like Everything is monster, do you know. There's no outside resource, and there's no Netflix, there's no Prime or whatever getting involved, just you know, so they can keep it as authentic and as they can, you know. And it's four quid a month, like we're like, do you know, as everything else is going up in the world, like Netflix, I think, has gone up to like 12, 13 quid or something, or your buddy, like Disney Plus, and I'm honestly considering getting rid of it. But you know, for four euro, like that's the price for coffee for a month, like, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, uh, during the okay. busy times of the season, that's two videos a week, usually mm. at four quid a month, which is not a lot. But, if, like, listen, people want to buy in other things. That's fair enough. But, like, as you said, it kind of humanizes the players. Like, we talked about Peter Amar speech earlier. Like, there was a moment of Keith Earls and Conor Murray after the game on the latest one. There was, like, one thing I noticed was, like, the leaders that have stood out, the likes of Jim McBarron, Craig Casey, guys like this. And then even, Jack Crowley as well and it was a weird thing but after, before the Leinster game at halftime they showed the halftime talk and Peter O'Mani was like don't be a hero we win this as a 15 as a unit and the man standing beside him happened to be Jack Crowley the man who was the hero of the hour and it's like it just adds a bit of perspective to these things and you know being around, going around can in hand laughing away happy as Larry or I guess Neiman, making the massive trophy look small like all these things like they, they just They really humanize the players. And it does drive that connection, I do feel like, because if you're watching that the whole way through, it just like you would have watched the the Sharks game in Europe. And they were absolutely battered at halftime. Like they were they were wrecked after half after 40 minutes, you know, and then to see that and then to see the Leinster game and how that unfolds. Like it's it's brilliant. And like I suppose we don't want to just move on to next season so quickly because this season was incredible like never forget it um but we will because a couple of questions related to this and one of my own so like next year monster will enter as top dogs so just quickly do you think there's anywhere they can they have to improve or need to improve but most importantly like what sort of players are you most excited to see or to watch
2: well firstly i just really hope that everyone comes back from the world cup unscathed I can't
1: that's take... Ne- that's not
2: going to happen. That never I happens. Can't take, I can't take any more injuries, I swear to God. Like, there were some days when they'd be like, oh, squad update, and I'd literally scroll down to the injury list, they'd just get longer and longer and longer. So And all at second row. Uh, yeah. So, fingers, yeah. fingers crossed, we all come back in one piece. It's all <laughs> I, that's all I want. That's all I hope for. Um, Do you know what? I'm really excited to see John Ryan come back, I think is one of them, after I stint in New Zealand. Do you know I think... He's kind of having like his like revitalization kind of era a little bit. So it'd be really good to see. And the fact he's getting started regularly for the Chiefs. Like that's just, I think a lot of us kind of saw him probably going out there and just, you know, just going out there for the sake, going out there, he got signed kind of thing. And like yeah. none of us kind of knew what... Like, or expected kind of what would happen for him. So, see him doing so well out there, you know, it's it's great. And, like, fair play to for him to move and his whole family out there, especially after his wife had literally just like given birth. So, yeah. fair play to their crew out there. So, I'm, in, I'm excited to see him come back and see what he can kind of do. Um, so, obviously, there's John Hodnett and Jack Crowley are kind of starting to come into their groove now in their form and stuff. I do think Hodnett oh, being left out of the Irish squad is a little bit of, uh, you know, Question mark? Question mark? But yeah, we we move. Um, but for me, I think as a scrum half, like I'd love to see Paddy Patterson get more time. I think he has a game really kind of similar to Craig Casey. So I like, I I was like a Connemara super fan back when I was small. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but then as I got older and I started playing kind of myself, and saw Craig Casey playing, I kind of realized, no, I must prefer Craig Casey's. Fall out go 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 kind of style of play and I think Paddy Patterson's quite similar and I think he was kind of coming into his groove as well like kind of come parky Queave and whatnot and obviously then he got injured which you know was not ideal. but I'd love to see him get a little bit more game time just to see what he's kind of made of you know and see if he's an option there for the future you know if Conor Murray retires or feels like he should go elsewhere I think you know having Blooding kind of new players and stuff. Edwin Agdalbo was another one. Um, do you know he's from he's from Cove, so you know another Cork boy to kind of support and yeah. He's he's massive talent coming in. I think he he's shot. He's a brother, I think as well. Who's he big. does Sean playing
1: for the nineteen Ireland nineteen I think.
2: Yeah, do you know, so be interested to see how he gets on. Um, any of the twenties to see like, you know, like it's kind of I think. I kind of feel for them a little bit at the moment because we've kind of had like a golden era in the 20s a little bit and like yeah. we're running out of room within the provinces a little bit at the moment so I do feel for them um. but I think you know, hopefully we'll be able to keep some of them within somewhere do you know I know we throw a load into academies and everyone kind of forgot, forgets about them a little bit but I think there's like even just seeing that game against England in Mosgway Park like that was a fascinating game to watch and seeing like Brian Gleason and stuff like that so Fingers crossed we can keep them around. And then I think I, ha- I have to give a shout out to Kandelan, my boy, Alex, who only lives over the road for me. Um, do you know, I think he had a fantastic kind of start to this year. And I think, okay, the whole head knocks thing kind of maybe knocked the steam and probably knocked his confidence a little bit. And I felt he kind of came back a little nervy. But I think he's kind of growing back into it again and getting kind of back. It's got. Co- I feel like confidence has been a major word for this like entire yeah, season, to be quite honest. And I think you know, like the heartbreak past season, I say for the old ones. And I think for these young ones, I think this season was building that confidence, building that base for them that they feel like they can go out with the old. I feel bad on old timers, but like, you know, the players that have Grand Slams and have Lions Tours and whatever, like, you know, yeah. throwing them in with them and having everyone connect, I think. And like, I think that's one thing my dad said about like all the traveling they had to do for the last couple matches. I think that like as much as we complain you know, never playing home and all that jazz. But like, I think it grew, like it brought them together as a team, 100%. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot of good, you know, players coming through the the bloodline. So fingers crossed we can actually keep them. Is probably the main thing really at the moment.
1: That's true. And Peter Armani has said a few times, he said, Torn's the best part of rugby. And like, he he even mentioned it over the last few weeks, like having gone away from home and going to South Africa. So that's testament to the lads he's with as well and to the morale in the camp. I had an answer here for myself. I, I knew, well, you'd all be touching at times, you know, like I did when Adogbo down, I'd Alex Handel and down. Patrick Campbell is another one. If he can find his way in, like, hope to God, Keith signs on for one more year. Like we all want to, like everyone wants to see it, but then you have Earl C, Andrew Conway, Zebes, Nash, Daly, Mike Haley. So it might be tough for Patrick Campbell, but he's, a, he's an exciting player. And I also had the Jack Crowley, Alex Nikevel and Antoine Frisch midfield access because that's, mm. like Crowley is going to hopefully come back for the World Cup as Ireland's second choice or even going forward, Ireland's first choice out of half. Antoine Frisch just has that swagger and Alex Naikavelle is a new boy trying to prove himself, Do you know. So like that's, mm. that brings something in and of itself. And just before we conclude, we do have some listener questions as well, mm-hmm. which we'll finish with. One of which was related to this, James Broderick asks what's next for the squad, which I think we've touched upon there. Um, Friend of the pod, David Cordial asks, with Ben Healy's departure, Jack Crowley's likely future involvement in Test Mm. Windows are certain, certain future involvement. Um, And Joey Carberry's position becoming increasingly uncertain. Have you any concerns about the 10 position for Munster next year? I do
2: and I don't. I think, obviously, we're still waiting to see what Joey does. I think if he does stick around, I think this is his opportunity to prove himself again. I think, do you know, um but if he does go, then it'll be very much waiting of like who we sign. I know we still have Scannel and he now yeah. he did he did come on and he played a blinder in at um uh, centre there. Yeah, he did. He yeah. played very, very well. So do you know he's not one to kind of just be like, oh yeah, he's like third twice and kind of just kind of brush him off. He is he is still there and he is tipping away and he still does have that talent. Um, But it is going to be whoever we kind of sign or if, you know, we bring someone up from, because I, I did go back for the laugh last night, kind of go through, obviously, the main squad and then I was, went on. They don't have like an academy list. It's still down as the monster A team and that's still mm. kind of old. So it's got like all like Chris Farrell and Dan Goggin and everyone's still mm. on it and stuff. Um, So there's no one else kind of really listed as like a pure play half like so it's I think
1: Tony Butler is the only one yeah. in the system that's yeah. not not of the main the main trio.
2: yeah and like do you know he hasn't gotten much time on pitch and like okay obviously it's different we don't know what they're really doing in training and stuff like that like but yeah. I think from pure you know going straight off the bat of going straight into next season and say Joey's gone it'll probably be Scandal in 10 I presume um, or mm-hmm. you'd want to presume um, you know, but it it will be very much if we sign someone. I think it's very much a wait and wait and kind of see. Um, yeah. you know, we just have to hope that Jack doesn't get injured because I feel like it's going to be. I think for him, it's brilliant because he's coming off back of hopefully a good World Cup, and I think he'll have that confidence to sit again. But like, you know, you don't want him to get injured, and also be kind of scrambling. Then at the same time, if Joey does head off to France or wherever he's kind of hoping yeah. to go, but like you kind yeah. of hope that this opportunity for him does you know give him a bit of a boot up the arse to kind of find his because like I was talking about this with one of the lads there recently you know and like I was just kind of saying how like he's been left you know like obviously he's not being picked and like it's not saying that he's an exceptionally bad player because he's had his moments and whatever it's like how he's been kind of left at Munster how he hasn't tried to go for opportunities kind of elsewhere when he knows he's not making the Irish team and he's not like yeah like one of the lads said, he was the biggest, you know, what if that never happened kind of thing. You know, I think he probably, like, I hate saying he peaked too early because he has had his, like, moments in the last couple of seasons, but I think he very much was, like, the protege coming out of that win in Chicago and whatever, and, you know, he was going to be the next kind of Raj, but I just think it never kind of crystallized or never kind of...
1: Yeah. No, that's fair. Injured sure. was a lot of it, wasn't it? Like,
2: he yeah, like spent two yeah.
1: years basically injured yeah
2: so like it's very much like does he want this opportunity with monster do you know like he like I'm not saying that he's probably not playing the effort he probably is you know we, we don't know obviously and stuff like that but like I really hope if he does end up sticking around I really hope that it's he somehow you know gets himself back into the frame of mind if I can not actually do this it's not nice because it'd be a shame to have him stick around and him just be kind of like out in the fringes Because he, he is a good player You know you you hate just for him to so Even from a mental health Kind of standpoint You'd hate for him to feel like you know, He's just kind of there For the sake of being there You know Yeah, no.
1: yeah exactly And listen I, I do hope Joey Bounces back And has a good Has a good record With Munster If he does sign on If he does leave His contract is up At the end of next season So be it You know That's that's, that's his yeah. decision as well Um. Final Final question Dara asked, if we does the win at the weekend speed up the plans for the coaching ticket going forward? Like, they've already won that URC, but then at the same time, maybe it doesn't change anything. They're still going to try and push on, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I think, like, I know for them they're saying, like, oh, this is only the start and stuff like that. But I think they've found their groove in how they want to play, I think, very much. I feel like it's very much... It's simple rugby they're kind of playing. Like, they're, they're not doing anything. Barad Jack's odd kick here and there. Like, I feel like it's very much like, you know, just keeping... I I feel like Stormers did force us to play a lot tighter at the weekend, a lot flatter. Um, But I think it's just keeping... I think they found their formula of what go, is going right for them. And I think it would be a shame to kind of change anything. Now, obviously, that will change the players and who's available and whatever. Like, if they may have to tweet things here and there. But I think... They have their vision, like especially after the win. I think they have their vision of where they can go and where they want to go. And I think it's just sticking to what they know and sticking to what they know they're good at, if that kind of makes sense.
1: It's all it's all about the making progress week on week as well. Like, you know, Mike Prendergast has used the term green shoots, a lot of progress. And he's right. Like, And they, they did show. And even, like I think Calvin Ash said the last day, like, like they were nearly comfortable to the fact that there was going to be a cross kick at some stage in the match because he had said all week i'm gonna i'm gonna put my hand up at some stage and you're gonna get the ball to me do you know and that's that takes confidence as well that buzzword again confidence and being comfortable in the game plan and like for coaches that's all you can ask for them because they are getting the players to that position where they're comfortable to just take ownership of what's of what's being asked and Listen, I'm not going to ask for a Heineken Cup title, um, but I wouldn't mind, you know. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. I was there in a ways. So I would love to be there again in 2024.
2: But I think that... I'm, I'm, I'm old one, I think, at this stage. 100%. Ah, I'm 100% old one after what my parents did. <laughs> um, but no, it's even funnier. Like I was thinking about the um, the homecoming or whatever after the match, and I was like, oh, surely they they have to do like the open top bus and like the... Shane back- Daly was asking for convenience. Yeah, at the back, the back of the lorry at like the end of like, well, when they when they won the Heineken Cup that year, they came to South Mall in Cork because obviously it was um Decky Kidney was head coach, so they came and did a massive thing in Cork. And I remember, I still clear as day remember it. Like, and I was like, surely we'll have that. We'll all be out in our, <laughs> you know, pennies. We're doing the Irish by birth, monster by grace of God t-shirts back then. I was like, surely we'll get all that. And like, obviously, it was great to see Tolman packed out and it looked great up there. But I was like. I was like, there wasn't the same vibe as years gone by. Do you know? I was like, it was good, but I was like, I want that, like, you know, you see the scenes in La Rochelle and the port. Like, I was like, I want that absolute like carnage. Right. Yeah. World. Everyone out in the street. Now I was chatting to one of my friends and she was like, No, if she was like, that was a hundred percent like a health and safety move. I she was like, I don't <laughs> think open top buses are considered safe anymore. And I was like, No, but like you want like Casey hanging out over the side like you know with like someone grabbing his belt buckle so he doesn't fall off or whatever <laughs> you know like just bringing everyone together kind of thing again you know and I think Europe will hopefully do that next year you know I don't want to get my hopes up and all that jazz because I always get very disappointed when things don't go my way <laughs> um, but I think it's it's the next step and I think, I think we're getting there and it'll be interesting to see like you know how the new coaching chicken in Leinster goes or how the new like you know coach chicken Connacht goes like will that kind of bring like will Leinster end up going up another level I don't think I think Leinster are starting to maybe plateau a little bit and like yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they go next season after the heartbreak of like like they came away of like of all people to win silverware in the four provinces like you know I don't think a lot of people expected Munster. not gonna like there was people judging. saying
1: Munster were the fourth best province after three games of the season. Like, and Do you know, what, yeah. what can you judge after three games?
2: Do you know, so like, I think it was very much like, I, everyone everyone who wasn't a rugby fan or didn't kind of know, you know, what it is to be a Munster fan or whatever, they were like, oh yeah, let have all this one. So to see them, you know, fall apart in a semi, it just kind of makes you rethink, you know, it's not all about Leinster. So, like even like Ulster have come on. I think leaps and bounds this year and stuff like that. You know, and okay, be interested to see how they play on their new pitch. I think they're getting one of the four g ones now in the Kingspan. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that be uh that be interesting. You know, be interested to see actually. Though, that's that's three three stadiums out of the only the only province that has two grass pitches is Leinster. Yeah,
1: and they have Donnybrook as well, which is. 40. If they did, if
2: they use it for the odd preseason training. Yeah, yeah. But even but, at that, like, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I used and I used to rate it back in the day until I played it. So we play a couple of games in Musgrave Park with Dolphin, and um, do you know what? When you when you start playing on it, you do start to like it. It is great on a, a dry day. It does make the ball move a lot faster. So be interested to see how Ulster find that, or how like you know, Connell kind, of, kind of gets settled in and the sports ground and stuff. Do you know, so. I think, I think provinces will be a lot. It's going to be a lot tighter. I think between the four provinces next season for sure. Yeah. So
1: that,
2: be yeah, that's
1: that's a common question I've asked over the last few weeks. I didn't ask it here, but like of Ulster and Connacht in this series as well. Is is the gap just getting so small that like the difference between being potential league winners and being potentially fourth of the provinces is nothing? And it really is. Like Ulster mm-hmm. lost to Connacht by what was it, four points or three points? You know, monster beat Leinster by two points, Munster win the league by five points. Like, it's it's nothing. Do you know, it's, it's really nothing. Yeah. But, but that is that is all we have time for. I've, te- I've kept you long enough. Thanks to Tom and to yourself, Eva for coming on board. And thanks as well to all the contributors I've had on for this series. We'll round out this season's content with a final season review podcast coming next week. And then we become more sporadic before driving right back in for the upcoming Rugby World Cup, which is just 14 weeks away today at the time of recording. So thanks a lot to everyone, for listening. And if you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe, and you can find all the links to the channels below, including an article on Munster's URC win. But for now, until next time, take it easy.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.